I speak to you today in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Today's gospel lesson about the wealthy man who goes to see Jesus always, every single time, always steps on my toes. 100% of the time when I read this lesson, it doesn't matter if it shows up on the three-year lectionary, if it's part of my daily Bible study, anytime I read this lesson, it steps on my toes and it makes me uncomfortable and I do not like to read it. I don't like the challenge of it. I don't like the tone of it. I do not like it. And the reason I don't like it is because I am the wealthy man in today's gospel lesson. We are, all of us, if you'll pardon the bad grammar and if you'll pardon the bad gender, lack of gender inclusivity, we are the wealthy man in today's gospel lesson. My wife and I, from time to time, I imagine like most of us, like to compare ourselves to our friends and neighbors who have more than we do. Occasionally, we'll even roll out the argument that we're middle class, not wealthy. But uh, we have more, make more, earn more, have more than 90% of America, and America has more than 90% of the rest of the world. And as uh, my grandfather used to say, that dog won't hunt. We are wealthy beyond measure. We are wealthy financially we're wealthy with our blessings we're wealthy with our family god has blessed us all of us in this room i dare say mightily and today's gospel challenges us on that i'm sure most if not all of us struggle with this we struggle with the issue of money and we struggle with the issue of control those are the two things that are happening with the wealthy man in today's gospel. He wants to keep his possessions and he wants to keep control of how he chooses to use them. Somehow our money is tied to our security and we want to have security. And these things in and of themselves are good. I'm not preaching a sermon against being wealthy. I'm not preaching a sermon against the benefits of working hard and doing well, I don't think Jesus was doing that either. I think what Jesus was doing is getting to the heart of the man and asking him point blank, what's most important to you in the world? What is number one? Friends, our money does not give us ultimate security. The question the man asks is not, do I have enough to make it to retirement? Do I have enough to make it not to be a burden to my children and grandchildren, the question he asked is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? He's talking about what happens after the after. When our bank accounts, when our money, when our security in an earthly sense is no longer with us, what happens next and what must I do to get there? What must I do to inherit eternal life. I think it's interesting that inheritance ultimately, by and large, 
nine times out of 10, probably more like 99 times out of 100, has very little to do with what we do. We simply inherit because of who we are and we inherit because of whose we are. We inherit from our families. We inherit from our parents and our grandparents and our aunts and uncles. We inherit from those who love us. The man's question is off. See, there's nothing that he can do to inherit God's love. There's nothing he can do to inherit eternal life. What Christ does for us, what he does for the world, and what he did once and for all on the cross is the key to our inheritance. He pays the price for our sins, makes us right with God through his life, perfectly lived, deserving of the inheritance, his death, paying the price for our sins that we can't pay, and his resurrection, conquering death, offering life and life eternal to all who would believe. <clears throat> There's nothing we can do to inherit eternal life. Jesus does give the man an answer. He says, he lists the commandments, six of them, the commandments that have to do with our relationship to one another. Interestingly, he doesn't talk about the commandments that have to do with our relationship with God. Putting God first, keeping holy the Sabbath day, not taking the name of the Lord in vain, not worshiping other things. Jesus kind of holds that back and just talks about his relationship with others. And he says, I've done this perfectly since my youth. Uh, I'm not sure that I buy that any of us have done that perfectly since our youth, but this guy was try trying and Jesus looked at him and he loved him. And he says, one thing you lack, one thing you you lack go sell give follows what he says he says go sell all your possessions give the money to the poor and come and follow me and then it says the man walks away disheartened sad for he had great possessions i fear that in my own life and in our lives far too often we're not willing to put aside whatever that one thing is it keeps God from being first in our hearts and first in our lives. It is a hard thing to do. I would dare say, as Jesus says to his disciples, when they ask, who then can be saved? He says, with man, it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. Friends, it is a stewardship season here at St. John's, and uh, I'm sure some of you think that we just handpicked this lesson for today, but we didn't. It was actually assigned. Uh, there'd be an easy temptation for me to say, what Jesus is saying is that all of you all should sell everything and give your money to the church and then come follow. But believe me, we want lots of things at St. John's, but we don't want all of you guys to be homeless. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What he's talking about is keeping the main thing the main thing, keeping things in their right perspective and keeping things in their right order. What's first? Where is our heart? So as we enter into this stewardship season, we're going to be talking more the next few weeks about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Jesus says, follow me. 
not just worship me, not just give me your whatever. He says, follow me. He's calling us to relationship, to be present with him and what he is doing in the world. So we're going to talk about that. But I invite you all as you are thinking about your financial gift to the church, because that's the season we're in to pray about how God might be calling you to do more in his service here in this place, more with your treasure, your financial blessings, more with your time, more with your talents. God calls us to use those things that we're good at to serve him and to serve his people, and it's a joy to do it, to use your God-given talents and passions to serve those around you, to serve God's people. One thing that I would encourage you to do, and again, this is always challenging to me, uh, so I challenge you as well, and I don't get it right almost all the time, if you'll pardon the bad grammar. Most all the time, I don't get it right. But two places that are good for us to look if we want to assess where our hearts are, what's important to us, what we're passionate about, two good places to look are our calendar and our checkbook. Where we spend our time, where we spend our energy, where we spend our effort, and where we spend our money, the man in today's gospel, are pretty good indicators of where our heart is, where our passions lie, what is important to us. So then, where does this leave us? Are we where the disciples are when they say, who then can be saved? It's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a wealthy man to get to heaven. And I am that wealthy man. That's why I don't like this lesson, because I want to get to heaven. I want to inherit eternal life. We want what's next after the after. And Jesus doesn't leave them left to their own devices. Look with me, if you will, at verses 26 and 27 from our gospel. It's right there on your white insert. Jesus says, children, how difficult it is to enter the kingdom of God. It's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. And then the disciples were astonished and they said to him, then who can be saved? And Jesus looked at them, and I dare say loved them just as he loved the man who asked the initial question. He says, with man it is impossible, but not with God. For all things are possible with God. All things are possible with God. Friends, God has us in his hands and in his hearts his desire is that we might follow him in order to be in relationship with him, that he might give us the abundance of his blessings, of his inheritance. Not just eternal life, but life abundantly and life right now. His plan for us is better than our plan for us, not just in the afterlife, but right now, today. He wants our hearts and he wants a relationship with us. He desires that we would surrender control of everything to him. 
It's hard to do, though, because we want to be in charge. We want to run the show. We want to make all the decisions about our time, our money, and our energy. I think a lot of us, more than we would like to admit, most of us, maybe all of us, if we're honest with ourselves, would uh, say, or at least believe in our hearts, we probably wouldn't say it, but, uh, but believe in our hearts that if everybody would do right what we told them, right when we told them to do it, the world would be a better place. If everybody would do right what we told them, right when we told them to do it, the world would be a better place. Thanks be to God, they don't. Thanks be to God, we can't. The boss is in charge. Nothing is impossible with God. How can we in our pride surrender control? How can we in our desire to be in charge of everything surrender our earthly treasures? The answer is we can't. And God knows that we can't. If left to our own devices, we are left indeed. With man, Ken Weldon, all of you guys, it is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. His desire is that we might have life and have it abundantly. His desire is that we might live the full life that he has prepared for us as his children as inheritors of his kingdom and as his beloved. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.